if you can read a book and implement specific strategies or changes on that day or within three days after reading, then that information is now yours to own because it's led to tangible changes. Any longer than three days and each day that passes, the chances are that information will fade away because it was never yours to begin with. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to express your best in this world to create your most aligned life of purpose and potential. Through authentic and uplifting solo episodes and diverse guest conversations, we explore how you can discover and serve your soul's purpose, transform your mind, cultivate high-performing results, and build your dream business of impact. All of this guiding you to fulfill your dream life and serve your greatest impact on this world. My name is Trang, your host for the show. And firstly, I hope that you are having a wonderful day wherever you are as you listen to this. And thank you for tuning in. If you are a new listener, then welcome. Um, I'm so honored that you've chosen to invest your time to listen to this podcast. And if you are a returning listener, then welcome back. It is so great to have you here again um, for another episode. Today, I'm speaking about something that I have found myself repeatedly saying to clients, uh, especially newly onboarded clients who are still refining their rituals and they're still learning different concepts when it comes to maximizing our routines and achieving personal mastery. And the topic today is the five things that high performers do that others do not. The five things that high performers do that others do not. And I first want to preface this by saying that I don't believe people are inherently a high performer or not a high performer. I believe that everyone has a high performer within them. They just need to have access to resources and implement a routine for long enough, implement um different ways of thinking, increase their standards for long enough to then be considered in the eyes of society to be a high performer. Um, So this isn't meant to be exclusive. This is meant to be inclusive for everyone to be a high performer. And I've always been really interested by this because from when I was in year 12, I was already intentionally looking at my routines and rituals because I was studying hard. Um, I needed to in year 12. Like that was what my entire childhood was for. It was what I was raised to do, you know, to get good results in year 12. Come on, like all you Asians out there, you know what I'm talking about. Um, So I studied hard in year 12, but at the same time, I was exercising. I was looking after my health and I was partying most weekends as well. (laughs) I, I I actually am pretty sure I went out every single weekend in year 12. And like even during SWAT VAC, which is the one week that you have off before your exams where you're meant to be studying, that's why you're not at school, I went out during that week. <laughs> um, yet I would say that I did all right at the end of year 12. So the point is, From that age, from when I was 18 years old, I was already developing systems and rituals that would optimize my time, optimize my energy. And then I just became more and more fascinated by personal mastery and 
um, high performance habits because I became a personal trainer where I needed to be up at 5, 5.30 for a 6 a.m. client. And then I was starting my business whilst I was still studying full time at uni. So time management, like personal management has always been something that I have been fascinated by. And I'd say now that I have some pretty good systems in place that I've found has worked and has served me really well that I would like to share with you. So five things that high performers do that others don't. Number one, high performers minimize the information that they consume to only what is relevant to them right now. So it's actually the opposite of what the consensus has been for a while. You know, consume more, read 52 books in 52 weeks of the year, listen to more podcasts, learn more, become more knowledgeable, become more wise. But I actually believe it's the opposite. I actually believe that high performers minimize the information they consume. Like they are very, they they consume information, but they are very intentional about the information that they consume only to what is relevant to them right now. So instead of reading books just because a book is trending and everyone's talking about it, they'll choose to only read books that they need in their life right now. For example, like only reading a marketing book if they are currently at a stage in their business that is focused on revolutionizing their marketing strategy or only reading a relationship book if they are actually planning to work on their relationships right now because otherwise what happens and this is what I have made the mistake of in the past I'd read a book that someone else has recommended for me or a book that has just been released and it's trending but it just isn't relevant to my life right now so imagine a a grade six student trying to read a year 10 maths book on calculus and algebra. Like if a grade six who's barely learnt uh, long division, <laughs> like, okay, I'm really stretching my memory now, but let's say a grade six who's, who's barely got the skills to understand algebra or calculus. Yeah. Fractions, right? You don't really learn fractions till year seven, I think. Um, so imagine a grade six trying to read a year 10 maths book. Like, firstly, it just wouldn't make sense. So they would spend all their time and energy trying to get through this book only for it to not make sense, to not be applicable, that that information's just going to go to waste. And they're going to be bored out of their minds because they don't understand a single thing that this book is saying. So they might not even finish the book in the first place. So only reading books that you're ready for and is relevant to where you're at in your journey. And that then leads to the next point, the next thing that high performers do that others don't. And that is minimizing the time between information consumption and implementation. So minimizing the time between consuming an information, a piece of information, and then implementing it. Because the less time or the less gap that there is between consuming a piece of information and implementing it, the more that information is going to become yours, the more it will make an actual tangible difference in your life. So for example, if you can read a book and implement specific changes or strategies on that day or say within three days of reading it, then that information is now yours to own. It's yours now because it's it's made a literal difference in your life. And I would argue, isn't that the reason why we want to consume more information? Sure, it's so that we can be more knowledgeable and more um, 
kind of informed, but we want to be more informed and more knowledgeable because it's going to make a difference for us in one way or another, whether it's going to lead to us, um, you know, being able to have more of a voice at work, being promoted at work, being able to progress our business or simply to be a citizen of the world who's more informed and able to participate in more conversations or actually contribute to change, have an actual impact. So I'd argue that information is only like the the only point of reading information in the first place or consuming information in the first place, however um, you'd like to consume your information, is so that it makes a tangible difference to us. So like if we were to implement on the day, then that information is now, it now meant something to us versus the longer that we leave the longer that we leave it to implement any information into the context of our life, the more likely that information is going to fade away because we never made it our information. Like we met a, we never made it our own to keep and to utilize. So this links back to what I was saying before about only consuming information that's irrelevant to us. Because if we're reading a book that doesn't actually lead to any practical changes in our life right now, then we're not going to be able to implement it. But if we're reading something that is about marketing or sales or branding or personal development or relationships that we can pragmatically put into the context of our life, then it makes a difference for us. Then it was worthwhile consuming in the first place. So what I do is, and I was saying this to the women at the Life of Legacy Retreat, I actually like to have more than one book on the go and everyone likes to do things differently, but I actually like to have a personal development book and a business book on the go at a time. So in the morning, if I'm reading a business book, there's go- there's often going to be like coaching exercises or um, there's going to be things that I need to put in place. And maybe during that day, I only have enough space to work on it for 20 minutes and implement one thing at a time. So if that's the case, I'm not going to just continue reading the book and move on to the next chapter when I still haven't implemented what I have read from the last chapter. So then what I would do is like maybe leave that book for a few days or even a week before I continue reading that book. And in the meantime, I'm not going to um, like just necessarily pause reading completely I can then maybe read my personal development book or maybe you like reading fiction or whatever it is Um, I would then read my personal development book because that is a little bit more uh, about like things I can implement outside of work hours or maybe personal development books aren't specifically about implementation but it's about shifting our our perspective and taking on new ideas and and fresh uh, ways of seeing the world So that I can kind of continue to consume in the meantime while I am waiting to make sure I put in place the exercises and make the changes in my business from that business book. So that's how I ensure that I implement the day of or within the next few days. And I don't just continue moving on, um, allowing that information to go in one eye and then out the other eye. (laughs) If That's how you want to see it. Um, One ear out the other ear. Now, number three, minimizing the time between waking up and your first task of the day. 
Minimizing the time between waking up and your first task of the day. So for example, you're generally waking up to do something, right? Like weekends aside, during the week, you may be waking up to go to work. You may be waking up to meditate or to go to the gym. So whatever you are waking up to do, make sure that that is the first thing that you do. Not the second thing, not the third thing, not the fourth thing after you have first laid in bed scrolling on social media or snoozing the alarm three times. And the reason for this is simply due to our motivational center of our brain and knowing how dopamine works. So dopamine, the neurotransmitter in our in our nervous system that makes us motivated to do something, like there's only a set amount of dopamine. Um, and like it's of, of course replenishable, but in any given moment, it's it's there's going to be a certain amount of dopamine that we can utilize. And if we wake up and we utilize that motivation to go straight into the gym, to go straight to work, to go straight to do our meditation or journaling, then we will be motivated to do that thing and we'll have more attention and clarity and focus to do that thing. Versus if we allow other tasks and other things to distract and take away our motivation and um, and our attention, then no wonder after 20 minutes of scrolling on social media, we really can't be bothered to get up out of bed now to do our meditation or to go to the gym. I mean, imagine if you were hungry. If you were hungry, you're going to be pretty motivated to get up and to go to the fridge and get some food. So you want to use that hunger as your source of incentive to go get food versus if you were to already feed yourself (laughs) like you know how um when you're preparing for dinner and you're like snacking as you're preparing for dinner and then now you're no longer hungry to eat dinner so if you were already full then you're now no longer going to have an incentive to eat a decent meal because you've already snacked so this is the same like save your hunger for the most important task of the day or the the first thing that you know you need to do in the day Because chances are that thing that you are waking up to do is going to lead to so much more self-empowerment, self-dominion, progress and results than anything else that may distract you on the way. So the more that you leak your attention, the more you will leak your motivation. Keep that morning time slot really streamlined in the morning. Um, I personally have been able to train myself to not snooze. I just convinced myself that it doesn't make sense to snooze. Like the hardest part of waking up is when the alarm goes off. Like that initial like stress and shock of the alarm waking up and you 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 get disrupted from your dreams. Like that is the most painful part. So why would you snooze only to fall asleep again and then to have the alarm go off again and put yourself through that painful process once more? It doesn't make sense to me. I would have rather just sleep in the extra 10 minutes and then get up the first time round. I would have rather just have uninterrupted sleep. So if you have capacity to be snoozing in the morning, then like you're waking up too early. <laughs> Wake up later then. And um, that's what I've been able to convince myself so I don't snooze and then I've been able to shorten my time from my from the moments that my eyes open to the first task of the day. So whether it's running or a gym or a meditation or sometimes just opening up my laptop and getting straight into it, I've been able to reduce that time to 15 minutes. 
So it was just go, go, go. And I know that everyone's different. Like some people like to have a slower morning where they get a cup of tea or they make a cup of coffee and then they meditate. Um, that's fine. Like get up and then go make a cup of tea. Go, get up and do your meditation without then leaking your focus anywhere else first. Okay, now number four, minimize transition times between tasks. So the transition time between tasks is the time that we may need to transition from waking up to our first task of the day, you know, um, going to the, uh, finishing up at the gym to then having a shower to then getting dressed to then uh, getting in the car to go to work, coming home from work and then starting to cook dinner, you know, finishing dinner and then starting, I don't know, the next thing that we need to do. Maybe it's gym, maybe it's more work, maybe it's like quality time with our partner. Essentially, transition times are the intermediary times between the tasks of our day. And these are the times where when people unknowingly allow time as the precious resource that it is to slip away the most. This is where time is often most wasted because, you know, maybe we pick up our phone and scroll and then one minute turns into five minutes, which turns into 10 minutes. Maybe instead of going straight to the gym after getting home from work, it's to the kitchen and then it's like 15 minutes of snacking. And it's like, oh crap, that time has just been lost. Or maybe time between different tasks at work instead of going for a five minute walk to really clear our mind and then getting straight into the next task, that attention gets leaked through, I don't know, social media or messages or whatever it might be. So what high achievers do is they really keep their focus and their time tight. And that is how they are so productive. They have more energy because they're not leaking their energy towards things that don't matter. They do more in less time and therefore have more free time at the end of the day. And that's how other people look at those who have mastered themselves most in the world. And they're like, oh my gosh, how do you do so much in 24 hours in a day? Um, I personally get that question thrown to me every so often. And it's because I'm very intentional about my transition times. Now, this leads into the next and final thing that high performers do that others don't. And that is minimize decision making. So what I mean by this is intentionally creating your days in advance, putting in all the things that you know you need to do so that Everything that you do has already been set from the day before. And what this does is this reduces all the decisions that you need to make in the day. Like if you know how your days look, all the things that you need to do, not just a checklist, but you've actually already allocated specific times for each task that you need to do. You know what it is that you're going to cook. You know what chores you need to do. You know what workout you're doing in the morning. Your clothes are already laid out for that day. Then you don't need to make those decisions. And decision making is actually quite a big mental, uh, a source of mental drainage. It takes a lot of mental bandwidth to be making these these decisions. And I've heard before people saying that you know we only have a set number of um, you know proactive decisions that we can make in a day. There's a limit, and when we reach that limit, then we get decision fatigue. So we want to reduce and minimize decision-making each day so that we can reserve our mental bandwidth and our utmost focus towards things that actually count. And there's a reason why 
Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, they talk about how they wear the same shirt every day. It's not because they can't afford more than one shirt or a different type of shirt. It's because they are so focused on a greater vision and mission that that is where their that is where their focus needs to go every day. In order to achieve these big dreams and in order to create progress at such a large scale, they need to be focused on the big things day to day, not letting the day-to-day frustrations and day-to-day micro decision-making consume all of their mental bandwidth. They don't have time to be thinking about what shirt they're going to wear. They don't have time to be thinking about what they're going to eat for lunch. They don't have time to be thinking about whether they should go to the gym or not, or whether they should cook curry versus a pasta, (laughs) right? Like they need to be reserving those decisions to the big things. And I actually have a pretty good system for this. Like I'm, I'm actually very proud of it because it's been refined over almost the last eight years. Um, my own weekly creation method and time boxing system that has been inspired from different sources. So from my mentor, my first mentor, Tom Clark, shout out to Tom, as well as um, Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma has a, a version of um, weekly reflection and planning that I've adapted And I've created the weekly creation method that has served me so well. It's helped my clients so much. And it's essentially my once a week system for reflection, for creation, and then mapping out my entire week. So my entire week is planned from the start. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to plan. And then of course, each day I make adjustments. Um, Because yeah, like so many people fall into the trap of simply reacting and managing their life that they just don't have any more bandwidth to dream and to think bigger. So instead of managing our weeks, why don't we create our weeks? And I have actually uh, put this into a free three-step process, a a three-part video series for you to take on this weekly creation method system and yeah, streamline your weeks, take your weeks to the next level. So I'll put that in the podcast show notes so that you can access access that. Um, but yeah, planning your days in advance, leaving as little as possible to chance and to choice is going to be your going to be a, a great way for you to really free up mental and emotional bandwidth as well so that you can be more high performing. It's really nice waking up in the morning, not having to think and just do what the schedule says. And as I wrap up these five things that high performers do that others don't, I get that these may seem small, like these aren't big things. You know, I'm talking about minimizing decision-making. I'm talking about minimizing transition times. That may just be five minutes saved. It may just be 10 minutes saved. Um, Minimizing the time between waking up and the first task of the day minimizing the time between information consumption and implement implementation, minimizing the information you consume only to what is relevant to you right now. These things are small, right? But that's the point. It's the insignificant things that we do daily that lead to significant results. So even though these things are small, they all accumulate. They all compound because nothing that we do repeatedly goes unrecognized. Something that we do over and over again, it will add up to create the 
significant results that we want to achieve or not. So these are the five things high performers do that others don't. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this has been practical and valuable for you. I always aim to make these as practical as possible so that you can listen to this and not just be inspired, but to have something that you can take away and make a difference in your life because you listened to this episode. Before I wrap up, I do want to mention that I have received some really lovely feedback about last week's episode, you know, the five biggest takeaways from the Life of Legacy retreat. And I am just so stoked to see the display of curiosity and commitment that many of you are showing. You know, you have been getting quite a few inquiries about the Life of Legacy Mastermind and Retreat next year. So if this is something that interests you at all, I've got to mention there are now only a couple of spots left for Life of Legacy starting in January next year. So Life of Legacy, the six-month mastermind with a four-day retreat in Victoria in April is for those of you who know you're made for more, know you're hungry to pivot, build your dream business of impact, and ultimately step into your greatest power and to become a woman of legacy, a woman who is remembered for beautiful things and leaves a long-lasting impact of positive change in this world. That is what this experience is about. That is what I, that is why I do what I do. And that's why I pour my heart and soul into Life of Legacy. Um, If you want more information about it, I'll put the podcast, not the podcast, I'll put the um, link for the Mastermind and Retreat in the podcast show notes so that you can read more about it. You can be sure to make a grounded, informed decision. Um, But ultimately, I always like to chat on the phone first with anyone who signs up to make sure that we are an aligned fit to work together first. Um, So yeah, there are no obligations, but simply apply in the link that I'll put in the podcast show notes. And from there, we can have a chat and see if this is a decision that you'll make that the future you will really thank you for. Um, A decision that can change the course of your entire life. All right, fam, thank you for listening to the end of another episode. I hope that you have a fabulous rest of your week and I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye.